Welcome to Terry Beckert's GovCon podcast, where we discuss current government contracting trends, compliance matters, and best practices to guide federal contractors forward. I'm Brendan Halloran, a senior manager with Cherry Beckert, and with me today is Roy Rushing, a manager in Cherry Beckert's Government Contractor Services Group. Today we are looking at contract considerations during an acquisition. This is a two-part podcast, and we will get into further details on some of the topics we discussed today in part two. Thanks for joining me today, Roy. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Great. So um, I think as everyone knows, um, <clears throat> merger and acquisition activity is uh, complex on its own, uh, much less when you factor in uh, government contracts. Um, so today we really just wanted to uh, get into some of the considerations and um, details that companies really should be thinking about when they're uh, evaluating a potential um, transaction and you know some of the um, you know cautionary uh, areas that they need to to consider. So, um, Roy, what are some of the you know kind of initial or early items um, that should be considered, you know, when a company is evaluating, um, you know, either acquiring a company or uh, being acquired, um, where there are government contracts present. Well, you know, we need to look at several aspects of a company's uh, portfolio or an inventory of their contracts that they have with the government. Um, you know, it, you want to take an inventory, know what kind of contracts that you have. Do they have IDIQs, uh, MACs, uh, multiple award schedules, FFS contracts? Um, and then when you start looking into their contracts, I, I'd like to talk about one of the most important things. Let's look at the inventory and the health of those contracts. So you have past performance considerations. Um, is the company that you're acquiring doing well or are they struggling or having issues? So you really wanna do your due diligence and go in there and look at their CPARS ratings. Look at you know how they're doing with the government. Are they doing fair or, or are there issues? Are there outlying um, issues that are negative such as disagreements, claims, letters of concern, cure notices? Um, do we have personnel on the job that might not be qualified or working well with the government? Um, might need personnel replacement when you acquire this company to put your folks in to replace some of these folks that are underperforming or not performing well with the team. Are they behind schedule? You know, uh, acquire a company, once you find out this information, you probably should be looking at recovery plans to, you know, make up schedules, uh, you know, determine if personnel are in the right positions. Um, how to address those cure notices, disagreements, claims, letters of concerns. And then really early on in the process as this acquisition is starting, you probably need to start communicating with the agency. And that, that means talking to the project management office, but most of all notifying your KO. So you can be, begin with the discussion of, hey, this is the current state. How can we do this well? How can the transition perform well? Um, and how can we continue future work with you? That would be one of my first considerations when coming into an acquisition. Yeah, great points. And I think, you know, the, the key term you use there was due diligence. And as with any transaction, you know, I think the the government uh, contract aspect of it really requires a whole nother um, level level of due diligence with some expertise and, and knowledge of, you know, um, you know, how that um, how that acquisition uh, would fit into the business or um, what considerations you have for it. Um, 
one of the other areas too, um, you know, that I, I think gets overlooked in some cases is, you know, depending on the target uh, or, <clears throat> you know, if you are the target, you know, in is small business considerations. So, <clears throat> you know, there really are some, you know, potential impacts to contracts, you know, if they were a small business set aside, you know, um, there's certainly going to have to be recertification, you know, if they would uh, then be other than small business. And so, you know, the government's going to be notified of that, you know, if the transaction goes through and, you know, that could impact, you know, um, revenue stream if future um, awards are, are no longer available to them as a, you know, small business. So um, that's a, a certainly, you know, another area that that we find, um, you know, clients and companies having to look at, you know, very closely. What about um, in terms of, you know, other areas that that, you know, may be overlooked, you know, in terms of contract performance or, you know, as two companies come together, you know, Roy, what's your thoughts on, you know, things like, you know, organizational conflicts of interest or, you know, any other, you know, types of like contract specific considerations that that could be um, could be needed to look at? Well, there, Brendan, there are several, and I'm glad you brought up organizational conflicts of interest um, because this can be a significant or have significant impact on the acquiring firm because, you know, they may have business in other parts of the government, may have conflicts of interest with the business that the acquiring, the acquired firm has. So, you know, we we may have some let's talk about someone that's uh currently on a project running project uh, project management and has uh some kind of information um regarding the planning or the scoping of a future requirement or a requirement that's already in place and then uh that would give them an unfair advantage if they acquired this firm and they had that knowledge coming into it for a future acquisition or um, you know, proprietary information, proposal information, you know, uh, that could put that firm in in an area that could be considered organizational conflict of interest and restrict the company from performing certain work in the future. Um, that would that would be uh, something that would have to be researched up front. Of course, where we talk about due diligence. Um, looking at, you know, the inventory of contracts um, that may be affected by the personnel or the companies merging together or being acquired. And then you want to look at, you know, is is there anything potential that needs to be mitigated? And that's that's when um, you want to start working with the government to ensure that uh, you're putting an OCI mitigation plan in place that acts as a firewall. And I really want to emphasize that word firewall because you want to isolate uh, the conflicts of interest that may exist or do exist to ensure that there's not the appearance of impropriety or unfair access to information. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. You know, I think that there's a lot of obviously a lot of planning that has to go into it, but, you know, you know, mitigation plan. I think a lot of these are, are items that can be overcome. You know, but they certainly need to be, you know, um, accounted for and built into what that, you know, what that acquisition plan would look like for that for that target. And it's, I'd like to note that, you know, the FAR even has, you know, a, a section, you know, FAR Part uh, 9.5 
is in every government contract which contains the organizational conflict interest provision that restricts companies from performing certain work. So, you know, you always have to know your clauses in your contracts. So, I mean, depending on, you know, what types of, uh, you mentioned, you know, it's important to look at contract mix, <clears throat> you know, what those are, look at the agencies involved. Um, you know, are there any other considerations? You know, a couple that come to mind to me are, you know, if you've got, you know, a um, contractor that's, you know, has special security considerations, whether they be personnel or facility, um, and there there may be, you know, based on the industry, there may be some other um, factors. You know, I know we had talked, you know, uh, previously about, you know, um, you know, perhaps even a construction firm. You know, what are some of the the things that that may need to be considered with those? Uh, with with all government contracts come security requirements. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, you know, so far uh, far part uh, 4.19, and then you have the clause 52.204.21. You know, that's that's going to talk to subs and primes and and specify that they have to have cyber security programs that um com that are compliant with the far far's basic requirements. There are uh, for DOD, there's DBIDs. For other agencies outside of DOD, there's E-Verify. Every employee that works on a contract that's accessing um, government spaces have to have compliance with those. Uh, you know, then you talk about security clearances, and there's two different kinds. There's facility, and then you have personal security clearances. And, you know, if you have a contract that you acquire or uh, or you're entering into that have those certain requirements, um, you're going to have to do a timely notification defense security service or DSS uh, because your acquisition of a contract or a company that has a contract may not be accessible to you because of certain uh, controls put in place or safety uh, controls or security put in place. Um, you know, if you're foreign ownership, you know, that can have a huge impact um, on your ability to perform the contract. Uh, there's also, you know, different requirements. You know, when you start looking at uh, security clearances and facility security clearances, you know, you're going to fall under DOD uh, 5220-22M and National Industrial uh, Security Programs uh, that guide or have guidance or strict policies which you have to follow. Um, there's also the uh, review that has to be done by DSS, and it's going to require submission of DD-254s and then SF-238s, um, you know, if you need a secure, uh, a certificate of foreign interest. Um, so there's a lot involved when it comes to security. I just touched the tip of the iceberg there. Um, you know, when you talk about security in DOD, it's intense. Um, so it, it, we could go from there. Yeah. But I, I think I think that could be in depth later on. Um, the other consideration, uh, you know, when taking over contracts, and we didn't really previously speak about this, but there is uh, this term called a novation, and it's covered under FAR Part 42. Uh, and when you take over a firm, it, you know, you're going to have all these contracts that are out there under the previous firm's name under their SAM registration and all their financials, all their audits and all the systems. And the government's gonna have to 
change all that information over to your company when you acquire them, should you choose to take over uh, the contracts in that fashion. But this also takes uh, the government's consent to allow a novation to happen. I believe that's under the Anti-Assessment Act, um, which prevents the transfer or sale of a government contract uh, without the government's uh, consent to that transfer. Um, so the government's got to be notified. They have to consider the transfer and and feel comfortable in the transfer that come from it, uh, transfer of that contract. Um, and unless they do, you're not going to be able to perform on that. Um, so novations are very, very important. They're lengthy and there is a lot of work that the government has to do on their side. And of course, the contractor does as well. Uh, do you have any comments on novations? Yeah, no, and, and I've seen, um, you know, many different um, approaches to it in terms of, you know, when a, you know, when a company, um, you know, makes an acquisition and there's a couple of main, you know, kind of paths to go down on that. One, you know, for that, you know, for planning purposes and, you know, and timing is, you know, I've seen in a lot of instances where, you know, the, you know, the acquired company will be run as a wholly owned subsidiary. And so, you know, by leaving that legal entity intact, um, obviously with, you know, with new um, ownership, um, it does allow them to continue performance on the contract. So it allows the the acquiring company to, to kind of put off the, you know, the novation requirement until they get to a point where, you know, um, you know, perhaps a couple of years down the road where they've got kind of integration plans in place where they actually do want to dissolve that entity and actually bring it into the, you know, larger um, organizational structure. So they can buy themselves a little bit of time um, on the novation uh, requirement because that entity would still be able to, um, you know, complete its contractual obligations and perform. Um, but it, it certainly, you know, doesn't, you know, put off the, the need for that planning. Um, you know, companies where they, you know, more immediately dissolve that entity and, you know, bring that right into the, you know, into the organization triggers, you know, that that more immediate um, requirement for the innovation that you mentioned, Roy. And as you said, it really is an extended process. Um, it's very administrative in nature, and there's a lot of information that needs to be shared to get, you know, that innovation agreement in place where those contracts can, you know, um, legally uh, be novated to another organization. So it really <clears throat> um, is something that as early in the process, once, you know, once that um, transaction is, you know, looking to be, um, you know, firm to understand, you know, you know, is this something you're going to try to undertake um, quickly or, you know, you know, gain a little bit of time and put that off and keep the uh, the legal entity in place. So um, it, it really, you know, unfortunately for, you know, for companies looking to do a transaction, that process is driven a lot by, you know, by the interaction with the government and the process. So, you know, if, if you want something to happen quickly, um, you should understand that, you know, that's typically, um, you know, multiple months of, of work to to get to the point where you have an agreement um, ready to be executed. So any other, I mean, I know there's there's um, 
so many of them, but you know, any other areas, you know, of caution or particular attention, um, you know, that you can think of, Roy, that that we want to highlight, um, you know, as folks are are considering, you know, again, you know, we're talking about either acquiring or or being acquired, um, you know, I think that you know many of those um, factors really play into uh, to either of those parties. Yeah, there's there's still a few areas. I um, one I'd like to talk to is about bonds and guarantees. You know, this goes back to my former life as a construction contract officer, so I'm very fond of it. Um, but you know, construction firms are a little unique because they have bonds um, on their work to ensure completion um, and give assurances to the government. Uh, those are performance and payment bonds, and they're usually a hundred percent of the contract's value. Um, and the license, it's, it's to a licensed contractor and the bonds in construction essentially guarantee the contractor or supplier who purchases will follow through on their contract requirements. It's, uh, it's kind of like insurance, but it's not insurance. It just guarantees that they're, that the project owner has some kind of recourse if the contractor should fail to perform. Um, but, you know, if you're acquiring a firm or something like that, you're going to have to make sure that you're able or have the financial backing um, if you're not aware of these requirements to ensure that you can cover these uh, bonds at 100% of the contract's value and that the surety will still back you as the new acquiring firm. Or you might have to go to a new uh, a new surety and ensure that you can get these bonds put in place and you, you're not sure what your rates are going to be. And, you know, it's all based on risk and what the surety feels or uh, has assurances about the firm's performance or the complexity and risk of the job being performed. Um, so, you know, that's just a consideration if you're, if you're going to go into that realm of, uh, you know, government contracting is that, you know, there's different requirements. So now that we get into talking about different requirements, you, you, you should start knowing about what types of government contracts are you acquiring or entering into and the and then the contract requirements associated with them so there's different kinds of contracts that the government has i mean and then of course different requirements that come with every type and there are many 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 requirements you know we could go on to you know the most common one most uh, is firm fixed price but you can enter into cost type contracts um, and then there's sole source, competitive. Each of these all come with different requirements that are put onto the contractor and established in the terms and conditions and the clauses of the contracts, which you're going to have to become intimately familiar with. Um, and if you're acquiring a firm that has a large portfolio inventory of contracts, that means a lot of reading of clauses. Um, you know, you can have an IDIQ that lasts five years long um, that has multiple task orders under that IDIQ. All have different scopes or similar scopes of nature, um, but should have, you know, the parent contracts uh, flow down clauses to the task orders and then such from the prime to the sub. But you're going to have to know the, the amount of funding, the terms of those contracts or task orders, and then the scope of those orders uh, so you can adequately perform successfully for the government uh, because the government re will require delivery regardless. They're, they're not, they're not going to look at poor performance just because of an acquisition. Actually, they're going to be a little tentative about an acquisition because of that. They're going to want to know that their contracts move on seamlessly without a hitch. And that's what everybody has to look at when getting into those. Um, so 
when you come down to some of the requirements that that could be placed on you when doing an acquisition or acquiring a firm uh cost accounting uh standards it, those are, are are quite involved and it's it's dealing with unallowable allowable costs allocable costs then you're talking about dod business system requirements such as accounting systems purchasing systems uh inventory systems I mean, um so there are these requirements that are put on that says you have these audible systems now that DCA or DCMA has to look at to ensure that you can continue business with the government. Um, so if you're not familiar with those, uh, you're going to have to get a specialist or come to Cherry Beckert so we can show you how to get those systems in place. There's also Buy American Act. You know, uh, if you're not used to the government and doing federal contracts, you know, you're not you're you're not going to be familiar with. Uh, the rules around what what you may purchase what materials may be purchased how they're purchased or whom they're purchased from or what country or source are uh, purchased from then if you get into my favorite construction you have davis bacon which are wage determinations which are minimum wages that have to be paid for a locality for um, people working on your jobs same thing with the, uh, the service contract act you may have uh, collective bargaining agreements, which are union agreements with uh, a firm about the pay and agreements on how they're going to give fringe and benefits and the pay for that lo locality. You could have GFE requirements, which are government furnished equipment. Say your contract has some kind of a production or development in which the government provides you material or equipment, you're gonna have to safeguard that and abide by the rules of GFE, so it, which is quite extensive, you might get into a contract that has forward pricing agreements where you or the previous entity has guaranteed a certain price or percentage to the government that now you're going to have to uphold. And that's going to take some extensive work to see if you can still provide those forward agreements. Um, let's say you're a large business and you take on a contract that has a small business plan. There is significant reporting that is involved with a small business plan and a small business goals which essentially says you're going to have to go out and when you're subcontracting find those uh, small businesses that have the expertise that can meet those small business goals in your reporting and then of course we mentioned the dod business system requirements and cas requirements which have pre and post award audits and you're going to have to look at those if you're acquiring you're going to have to look at those audits and see if there's any issues um now i wasn't with dcma or dcaa so i'm going to have to turn this over to brendan to talk about <laughs> form ones or form 2000s or sf2000s i can't remember yeah no i mean yeah and i think you touched on a, a lot of the the key areas that again i think it's really a matter of you know kind of highlighting you know that there are a lot of facets um, you know, straight from, you know, what systems is a, you know, a company operating on to what, you know, what has been their audit exposure in the past. And it really, you know, just builds out the level of due diligence that's required, you know, to understand if you're if you're picking up, you know, a history of um, audit issues, um, you know, potentially a backlog of, you know, question costs and final rates. 
those are all things that you know that a uh, acquirer really needs to understand um you know as part of their you know risk exposure and and how do they you know how do they hedge um hedge that in in a possible transaction um another thing that's you know important and, and a lot of this depends on you know the scale of the you know acquisition the scale of the you know companies and contracts that are involved but you know there are some rules around you know the activity and costs associated with that so you know if you're you know looking to um you know make an acquisition and do some restructuring um to you know to bring that uh company um in and integrate it <clears throat> those costs are typically unallowable so it's very important you know at the onset to you know potentially set up you know separate jobs or projects to track those costs because you're going to have executives and, and multiple people throughout the organization doing the evaluation and participating even just in the the lead up to a to a transaction and you really do need to you know segregate you know the um, resources and costs associated with that um, there are ways you know depending on you know the magnitude of the dollars involved that um, that some of those um, can be recruited but that's a you know a whole separate process that again will um, require negotiation and a you know uh, agreement with the government um, so certainly you know a lot of factors that you know kind of um you know just dictate how you can do it and you know um you know at the bottom line what those costs um how those um you know are accounted for um yeah as you mentioned you know there's certainly um you know a lot of um you know audit activity um review activity regulatory oversight and having a really um good view um of that you know target company you know what they've uh, got out there is very important to know um you know what some of those hurdles you may have to jump are um and and really understanding what the systems that they're operating on you know is it something that you would be able to integrate um you know seamlessly or is it going to be a major you know undertaking to you know bring them on board down the road um in terms of you know you know erp or accounting so a lot of um you know a lot of work goes into it you know whether it be small or large acquisition um but you know a lot of um you know certainly a lot of cautionary areas to uh to consider well i think we covered um a lot of ground thanks roy i appreciate um you know all the insight and you know i think we've just scratched the surface on you know some of the um, topics that that folks need to be uh, considering, um, you know, in the you know kind of merger acquisition activity around government contractors. Um, we'll definitely be diving into a little bit more about the detail steps and administration when we get to part two of this uh, podcast series. And um, anyway, thanks uh, for your help, uh, Roy. And uh, thanks everyone for joining us. If you have any questions, please email roy.rushing at cbh.com or myself, brendan.halloran at cbh.com. Please join us again for our next podcast.